Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager. I'm here with Craig Blackmore, and we are going to talk about... Well, it occurred to me the other day, we were in basically a new phase of COVID. Uh, the, and I, I had done these uh, business interviews before, but I wanted to, like, do them again. So, uh, Craig, why don't you kick it off? How's it going? I'm Craig Blackmore. Uh, I am an artist. Uh, also, I'm a jewelry maker. And um, yeah, I've been I've been an artist for over a decade. I've been an artist all my life, but I've been an artist as a business or uh, doing it as a business for over a decade. And uh, typically, a, a lot of what I do involves, you know, mixing with people and working on stage or at uh, events or having exhibitions. So uh, when COVID hit, it definitely put a strain on my work. Okay. And, and with all these, uh, COVID episodes, I always, uh, like to ask people, um, first of all, when did you first become aware of COVID? Well, to be honest, um, in November of 2019, I contracted the first alpha variant of COVID and um, nobody knew what it was at the time. I had to look retroactively to figure it out, but um, nobody knew what it was at the time. They ran all kinds of tests. They did the PCR and test me for a coronavirus, but not the current coronavirus. Um, it was pretty rough. You know, I spent a couple of days in the hospital, had no like a, none of the typical. Well, I guess now they're typical, but at the time they were saying it was respiratory and whatnot. I had no respiratory symptoms, just a lot of aches, a lot of, you know, a rash, like my skin peeled off yeah. and stuff happened. But um, that's when I first knew something was going around, but it didn't stop me. You know, shortly after I took multiple flights and went to multiple states and everything. It was about when the the shelter in place thing happened. March twenty twenty is when I was where, like, when everyone else got the idea. Oh, so you basically thought, like, looking back, I, I probably had COVID. Yeah, and I really thought once more research came out on the other symptoms, like the long COVID symptoms, because what I had lingered for a while. And yeah, yeah, it was a slow recovery, but. That's when I really knew that, oh, okay, that's what this was. Yeah. Well, this wasn't even a conversation I was planning on having, and this is why I like to say, I, I like to call these things freeform conversations. Um, I am aware that COVID was around, you know, I, the COVID family of viruses was, you know, discovered around 2001 2002 something like that huh. and um but i i'm aware that 19 you know came into you know people were running around with that virus you know around the time you had it if not before yeah so, so would you mind walking us through the like how did that feel how did the, like the symptoms or how feeling knowing that people were just walking around with it? Did you, okay. Was there a moment where you thought, Oh God, I have something and nobody knows what it is. 
Kind of. It was um yeah. see, I, I do a lot of I exercise a lot. So when I get muscle aches, my, my, my rule of thumb is when I'm sick or feeling down on, under the weather or whatever, if it's something I've never felt before, then I start to panic a little bit. But um, everything that started happening at first was familiar. So kind of familiar. Like the first symptom was I broke out into hives, like a small case of hives that went away pretty, pretty quickly. But um, then my fever came and my heart rate increased and uh, aches, my legs and back started aching really bad to the point where I could barely walk. And that's when things got a little weird after that. That was like day five of it when things started to still get a little like elevating a little bit. That's when I was like, all right, let's go see what it is. And um, and yeah, once the, all the doctors, because I saw like maybe about seven different types of doctors, you know, for they wanted to see if it was an autoimmune issue. They wanted to see if it was fungal, all this kind of stuff. And um, the last per- doctor was infectious disease doctor who pretty much said, you have a cold, go home. And I'm like, what? But, um, oh, damn, right, and it was ridiculous. It was so ridiculous because I did catch a cold at the hospital while I was sitting there. I caught rhinovirus, so that's a, that's a common cold. That's just a cold, right? That's just right. a cold, folks. So he's, he's like, Yeah, this is what you got, and I'm like, Oh, thanks. After I'm pretty much feeling better, you come in and say, Oh, uh-huh. you have a cold, but, um, but yeah, it was a little concerning because. Uh, my vital, my levels, my blood work came back in an interesting way. And one of the things that stood out to me was I was severely vitamin D and iron deficient. And um, that's actually something that helped me figure out what I had later on because of um, there's an oh, obvious is that a symptom of vitamin? Is D that a symptom of COVID? COVID? It it. it it determines your outcome. It's like if you have a vitamin D deficiency, you're going to experience a completely different type of COVID than somebody who has a sufficient amount or a good uh, amount of vitamin D. Yeah, sufficient. So that was a study that came out much later that I, I was able to look at and be like, oh, okay. So that's probably why I was so sore because my girlfriend who the entire time we're always together, you know, we slept next to each other and everything. Oh yeah. She didn't catch anything, no symptoms or anything. We, she got the rhinovirus too. We both had a little cold, but, um, she didn't catch any of the other symptoms. And I had another friend who was asymptomatic when, you know, everything started to pop up and whatnot. So I, I felt like, um, it hit me hard because of my deficiencies. And then, it left me with symptoms like I had elevated liver enzymes, um, heart rate, like blood pressure increase for a while. Um, you know, small stuff like that, that eventually got back to normal because, you know, I went on a plant-based diet and started taking vitamins. So I feel like, um, it helped not knowing that it was COVID. Cause if I knew it was this new novel virus, then I probably would have panicked and who knows what happened. But knowing that it wasn't COVID it actually helped me recover, I believe. Ay, 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 I tell you. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and then, like I said, shortly after, we were on flights to California and we went to all across the state, all went out partying, all kind of stuff, all while all this stuff was spreading. And, and yeah, and then we had good a good year or so after that didn't even get a sniffle from anything. And then I just got over Omicron a couple weeks ago. 
So, oh Omicron. Jesus, yeah, that was super mild though. Like I would oh. prefer Omicron over a common cold. So, have you been vaccinated? By the way, <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay, yeah, I have not. I've, um, right. I've, you know, it's no, it's not for a political reason or anything like that. It's simply because I. I want to wait and see what happens. I, I know more people, you know, not to discourage anybody or anything like that, but I do actually know more people whose life have been brought to a halt because of a side effect from that than I do who's been, you know, huh. affected by COVID. I don't know anybody personally who have died from COVID or ended up permanently like hurt or anything like that. Oh, I, I know loads of people. And just like personally, just like me personally. I know loads of people that have uh, oh, caught wow. COVID, and uh, I have a friend who's actually uh, pretty hard up from it. Um, yeah, I know if you go one out for me, so like friends of mine, things like that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. I got a lot of that. Yeah, I know lots of people. If you go one out for me, that have died of COVID, loads. Um. People I went to high school with, things like that. Wow. Uh, people See, I went I to college with. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't have that, thankfully. Um, yeah, Jesus. But uh, I do know people who had to relearn how to walk again from an adverse reaction. And a buddy of mine who's in the gym mm. all the time working out just got a stroke. You know, he's a young guy under thirty, or maybe he is thirty, and just had a stroke yeah. after his booster. And, oh. you know, I'm just like, yeah, it's okay. You know, if you want to do it, go for it. But me personally, I, uh, you know, I, yeah. I follow, I talk to a lot of doctors, follow a lot of doctors and, and I've, I've been doing a good vitamin nutritional regimen that I do believe has protected me through the Delta phase. And even with this Omicron. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm boosted. I'm vaxxed and boosted. Um, the f- and all three times it was like the first day was fine and then after that like i was out cold oh, man. for a day but yeah yeah so yeah, so I didn't, didn't do that but maybe in the future we'll see yeah, yeah tell me okay so let's okay business all right so you're an artist how have how did the pandemic affect your business in 2020? Well, everything was done. There was no shows. There was not even you were you couldn't even think about doing a show after the pandemic happened because people were so yeah. afraid to get together. So, um yeah. any of my original plans of action had to be reconfigured and turned into something totally new. So I uh I had to go experimental. And um it actually okay. worked out, but yeah. What do you mean experimental? Well, I got into things like because I do a lot of digital art, mostly digital art, and um, okay. The first thing I was thinking when it started happening was I started thinking about different things I've heard of or seen before that I'd never really tried to do. So I've always had a hard time selling art online as far as prints and whatnot. I always do well in person, like if I have a table or if I'm doing an exhibition. So um, I wanted to get into selling art online, 
but I wanted to do it somewhere different than everyone else was going to do it. So everyone went to, you know, Instagram, Etsy, the typical, and they were selling their art and whatnot. And I learned about blockchain and NFTs. So I went the NFT metaverse route. And oh. that was oh, the perfect decision at the time because that was before it got popular. I have been wanting to talk to somebody about NFTs since... Well, I haven't known about them very long, but I've been oh, yeah. wanting to talk to somebody about NFTs for a while. Oh, yeah. I'm deep in NFTs. Oh, please. Educate. Elucidate. <laughs> so so basically, an NFT is uh, yeah. it's a token. It's a non-fungible token that okay. you can't use as cash like a, a quarter, but you can sell it for cash like a commemorative coin in a way it's kind of like a collectible coin and unlike other crypto like bitcoin bitcoin's the currency the nft is the collectible coin that you've minted your artwork to so it's like if you bought a commemorative silver coin with somebody's rendition of a building on it you know just the artist on the coin so um okay so yeah, people collect these tokens, these uh, art tokens. And at the time when I got into it, it was still there, you know, all the scenes were like you had the fine artists who were selling NFTs, then you had the collectible people who were selling like the animal NFTs or the crypto punks and things like that. And um there wasn't so much commotion. Everyone was just kind of buying what they liked. And Okay. Eventually, it turned into buy this trending token and sell it for double what you bought it for within hours. And, you know, it turned into like this weird sweepstakes thing. But um, there's so still... So I thought... I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, you I thought um, like it was an... And NFT was an original. So... But you're it, saying it is it can be uh, it's okay. supposed to be an original like a original artwork. Okay. But um, sometimes people make multiple copies of the single image. So they'll have like 50 copies oh. of a token. That way, 50 people can own a copy of it. And, oh. Or you can just do one off copies. And a lot of the, like you'll see a lot of fine artists will do the one off and it'll be really expensive as if it were a painting in a gallery. Whereas collectibles are usually a little bit more affordable because they want, you know, 50, 60 to a thousand people to buy them. So they're going to make them like a booster price versus the whole, uh -huh. you know, fine artwork. And do you see this like, I mean, where would I go? Like, how? okay. Is this something you, you don't do this on eBay, do you? You just uh, no. There's. The main one that everyone is going to is OpenSea.com, kind of like the uh, you know Seven Seas, the like big uh, body of water. So OpenSea oh. is the most popular. Is it .com or is it .io? I think it's actually .io. OpenSea.io. That's okay. Ethereum and uh, Polygon, which are two different blockchains. That's the largest NFT marketplace for a very specific reason, which I'll get into. But um, the okay. other one that I like is um, object.com, and it's spelled O-B-J-K-T.com. 
uh-huh. and that one's on a different blockchain called Tezos. But um, every All blockchain right. kind of has their own, you know, Amazon of NFTs, and you can choose which one to go for. The most popular NFT blockchain, though, is Ethereum. And it made sense back when I first got into it because you pay these things called mining fees or gas fees every time mm-hmm. you put something onto the blockchain. It's and part of why computers got so expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, because I mean, of all these uh, graphics yeah. cards. But Well, um, right. It's like I'm looking at – I was looking at computers the other day and I was like, good Lord, how much – Jesus – you know, yeah. like some of these computers are like th- four thousand dollars now, four and five thousand. Like that's wild. Good lord. Oh, yeah. See, good the price, lord. That's nuts. Yeah, that's really nuts. But um, yeah. So yeah, you you got to pay transaction fees, and those fees increase on a, a blockchain like Ethereum. They get okay. more expensive when more people use it. So, as you can imagine, when everyone started to get into NFTs, those fees shot way up. And it used to be about $2 to mint artwork, and currently it's about $150 to $200. And um, OpenSea did a thing where they allow you to half mint your artwork for free. And then the person who purchases it pays the the process the gas fees for the artwork to fully mint. And since then, thousands of people and thousands of scammers have entered the NFT space because they no longer have that uh, barrier of entry to pay gas fees. But um, on the other blockchains like Tezos or Polygon, gas fees are pennies. You know. Like maybe five cents and it's just a whole this the way the blockchain is designed to keep gas low so and i get like i i heard a podcast or something and of course you know i love being educated by my own podcast i love i love to talk to people and or i love to listen to people who come on my show um so i heard this podcast where so what it is is the the processor solves math problems and wins tokens as an award as a reward for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you mine uh yeah. like Bitcoin or Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it's, those are called proof of work blockchains and the work you're doing is solving those problems. And so you're saying there's other blockchains that, that aren't proof of work. Yeah, there's proof of stake blockchains, which are actually powered by uh, liquidity pool or staking pools. So you'll okay. see on some crypto things that say you can stake your coin and earn like 5% APY or something like that. What you're doing is you're using your coins, you're putting them into the blockchain to validate transactions with that money versus having to use another physical computer to validate a transaction. So usually if you were to mint on Ethereum, there's a server somewhere, one of the miners who handle your transaction, their actual hardware is what's doing all the processing and 
for your, you know, for your NFT, because it's a heavy, a processing heavy process, but most people are doing it from phones or small laptops. So they have to let whoever has the technology to mine this currency to handle it. Whereas proof of stake is just using what's from the pool within the blockchain. And it's much faster. And it's rewarding. So like I'm staking Tezos every night. I get a deposit of a little bit of Tezos for all of um, the work that the, the cash I'm staking put into it. And staking for Tezos is as simple as just keeping it in a wallet. I don't have to give it to anyone or lock it up. It's just sitting there. Okay. And like, I guess this, so my question about Bitcoin is, and I, I would have what you would call a, what I would characterize as kind of an evolving take on Bitcoin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I used to, th- well, I mean, I think one thing about it, but then I talked to people in, in actual authoritarian regimes and they talk about how they need Bitcoin to function, like to buy things like food and things like that. So my question hmm. is why not in, to you actually is like, why not invest in stock or, Oh, I invest in stock. I've been invested in stock for a long time. I invested in crypto back during the original Bitcoin bull run in uh, 2017, but I got out after it went up. I, you know, took my profits and left because it's very volatile. See, when I first learned about Bitcoin, I was in high school. It was like 2008, and um, yeah, it was used to buy drugs and illegal stuff on the deep web. Like, that's what it was known for. Anytime someone had Bitcoin, it was to do business on the deep web. That's, you know, any friend I knew had it. That's what they used it for. And um, so I didn't see a reason to keep it or possess it. And then when it became a, a commodity or whatever, that's when I started to play with it. But I knew back then that it was just a, a vehicle for, you know, illegal, untraceable drug activity or money activity but now it's a whole different thing since everyone's into it it's the total opposite of what it used to be it used to be anonymous and currently it gives more information on who's using it than anything before based on any of their other transactions or how they bought it because you have to give information to the exchanges you purchase it from so it went from like you'll even hear it being sold today as it's freedom of money. It's money that's unregulated. It's decentralized and all this and that. When in reality, it's an open ledger that anybody can look at. Any computer can track. Any machine can see. And all your transactions are right there. You don't know who's mining it. You don't know who's controlling the servers behind what you're using. And nine times out of 10, if you're using a decentralized app, it's hosted on Amazon. So that's super centralized. And, you know, developers don't have to listen to you. You can go ahead and say, yeah, I have governance and I want this to happen, but they're still in charge. It's still central. They still have central control of it. So they'll they'll say it's decentralized and free to spend and whatnot, but in reality, it's not that at all. It's it's just something that's going up faster than the dollar is. The dollar is going opposite direction. 
So it's safer to have some crypto at a good price than it would be to just hold dollars that just go low. But it's also safer, like you said, to have stocks because stocks never dip $20,000 in a day. <laughs> right. Well, if a stock dips 20000 in a day, it's a, it's very unusual. Let's say yeah. That. <laughs> that would be history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I in my lifetime, I remember... I'm older than you. I remember the uh, crash of 2008. I mean, so. Oh, yeah, I remember that, too. Actually, I was, I was, you know, in high school still, but I was in a stock market class where we were trading on a simulator. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, that was a hard class because we had to try to get more of the fake money that we were using to trade while everything was tanking. <laughs> so it was, yeah. we got graded on a curve. <laughs> right. I remember I was in this coffee shop, you you know, and like they had CNBC or something on one of those. I don't remember, but what I do remember is like in an instant, the board, the, the, you're watching the ticker and the board, the whole board went red. Wow. It's just like, Jesus. <laughs> oh man. Like, Jesus. Yeah, that was bad. The the yeah. main thing I remember from that is how many people lost their houses. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was like a zombie apocalypse. These houses oh. were booming one week and then empty the next. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I, I was working on a small paper then and I accidentally ended up covering the housing crash. Um but see, I was covering it years before it actually happened. I mean, one of the one of the, the one of the things I think about on the regular is, especially now with with all this, is like you could actually. I mean, actually, if you want to be real about it, you could have a a, a real discussion about when the housing crash started and when it stopped. Right, mm-hmm. because I like I said I was writing about it in like '05 or '06 or something like that, and it already felt like it was. Well, like I said the other day, it felt like I was I had arrived onto a car crash that had mm. happened a year before. <laughs> huh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and here I was, literally the only person writing about it that I was aware of, literally. Wow! Not just in my newsroom, but like anywhere. Wow! And you know, and I'm like, well, this is so weird because you can go talk to the, I can go talk to these people, I can, I've got people in my phone, I've got people, I've got these numbers on my desk. And you call them and it's like, oh yeah, well, this has been going on for a year or like what I'm, what I can see, the little piece of it that I can find has been happening for at least a year, blah, blah, that I even noticed because reasons, (laughs) (laughs) but I'll tell you, I'll tell you how crazy it was. There would, there was this couple that I talked to. I talked to a guy and a girl and I don't remember which one was which. Like, I don't remember which piece of the puzzle he had and which piece of the puzzle she had. But they were a couple. 
and they each one of them told me a different piece of the puzzle, and they didn't tell the other one. <laughs> hmm. Right? So it's like there was all these people that had pieces to a puzzle that nobody was putting together. Wow. Yeah. It's like they didn't want to put it together. They didn't want to face the reality. They didn't. And people, people would say to me, like, all the time, Ben, why would people quit paying their mortgage? <laughs> why would that happen, Ben? Ben, what was the, what was the one? I don't know. There's like the, if you've ever seen that movie, um, Margin Call. I haven't seen that one. Okay, it's about the Great Recession. It's about the housing crash. Okay. So it's a fictional movie about the housing crash. That movie is real. <laughs> like that movie is like real in terms of how it re- and in terms of how it really was. Like people didn't want to believe it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like they would straight up see the puzzle and then they would not see it. You know? Yeah. They they would not see it on purpose, just okay. Yeah. They would talk to you about it, but then as soon as they finished talking to you, they would, oh no, that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was crazy. Um, I could talk about this for hours, but hey, let's talk with you. <laughs> <laughs> um what about so NFTs, huh? Mm-hmm. Um where do you see that going? Oh man, um, it's really see. This is one of the things that actually concerns me about NFTs and crypto as a whole. Is everyone okay. started celebrating after it went up, but no one really wanted to know why it went up, and no one really wanted to do anything to try to keep the price up. It was kind of just like, oh, crypto's doing great. Everyone's getting into NFTs. I guess we're we're made now, you know, but, um, you know, everyone businesses like Nike or uh, a ton of businesses started minting in it, like major businesses started minting NFTs, but they didn't do anything to improve the technology or like to try to join the community. They simply were just trying it out. It was a cash grab real quick to see what this is and how it works. And that's always that's a good thing when it's something new but what bothered me was when they left after they got their money or whatever then they just left and went back to whatever they were doing then i started to be like okay so no one's sitting here like why did they leave what did they think like no one's reaching out to figure out because this is all brand new and you want to improve your product there's some projects out there who are doing very well and thinking forward uh, with this and I could see them being around for a long time and then there's a lot of the gaming like Axie Infinity and stuff uh, that you know play to earn games that's a major thing that's going to go somewhere but um, like the whole thing like with Bored Apes and all these uh, just profile picture projects that managed to make so much money and they're spreading this money into advertising and what profile? To... What what are you talking about? Profile oh, man. picture. So I don't know if you follow like Snoop Dogg or uh, Eminem I, or anybody like I that. I know who Snoop Dogg and Eminem are. I mean, you know. Well, they, they recently <laughs> <laughs> on their uh, social media they recently changed their profile picture to a monkey, a type of a okay. monkey. Okay. 
And that monkey is called a Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT. It's an actual NFT. Oh, okay. And the the trend of NFTs since CryptoPunks, which came out in like 2016 or 15 or something like that, um, they are profile pictures, randomly generated profile pictures. I'm actually working on a project with a company for one of these but what it is is you create different elements to the picture so you do your face and then you make like sunglasses hats clothes a bunch of different things and use the blockchain or coding to just randomly generate a profile picture from all these different things like on pretty much like on reddit or on anything where you have to create an icon or avatar okay and then these profile pictures release as one of ones and (laughs) people go crazy for them and they buy them all up and then try to resell them real quick because the hype is there and everyone thinks they need one because crypto punks made a lot of people millionaires and then bored apes made a lot of people millionaires and there's a few other ones that made a lot of people a lot of money so everyone's still feeding off of that hype they're still trying to drop the next bored apes and the next crypto punks or whatnot uh, mm-hmm. which isn't bullish to me. Like that, that seems like, okay, everyone's still stuck on trends from, you know, five years ago almost. But um, these Bored Apes, Bored Apes did very well. Like every, the people in charge of that ended up mega rich and they're paying celebrities. Like, okay, so the Art Basel was recent and you see articles about how NFTs ruled Art Basel and NFTs rocked Art Basel and this and that. Well, that was all paid for. You have enough money, you can throw an event that's going to get written about. You you have enough um, yeah. crypto wealth, you can buy the Staples Center and name it Crypto.com. And, um, and that's, that's what somebody did. Yeah. And what worries me is that's the only thing that's fueling the rush currently so is all of this hype so here's something so like i just said here's something that my alarm bells go off from back in the time right mm-hmm. i remember like there were some financial services back in the day that they would they would basically make these condos they would they would they would pay these developers to make these condos High-rise condos um, that the bank owned. The bank literally owned these condos outright. Like they they created them, they owned them, they were theirs. They paid. Um, they paid people to live in the condo. They didn't. They weren't renting, right? They actually paid people to live in the condo. On the theory that you could, they were going to sell this condo at any moment. Okay, that was a theory, right? And they convinced people, they then turned around and convinced other people that this was a financial service. Okay, this was a product you could buy, right? We could chop all these mortgages up for these condos or all these deeds up for these condos and sell this as a financial service. Okay. Do you see that? Do you see the parallel there? I do see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what's happening here. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, it, and, and here I was, this, you know, kid reporter, and I was like, how am I the only, how am I literally the only person in the actual room that hears this and thinks this is totally not cool? I don't want to say the scam word yet, but <laughs> this is not going to go well. Yeah. And I feel like that a lot of times with NFTs, you know, I sit in these spaces yeah. and talks and hear all these people say, say nothing, you know, it's kind of like investing in pet rocks and, you know, they'll, they'll come in and be like, my project's the coolest. We are sending 10% to homeless people and mm. we're going to sell them to you for a thousand dollars each. <laughs> you know, like that's basically how yeah. it is. It's like a sweepstakes. When Where, I was a kid, like when I was a, a literal child, Beanie Babies were big. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> it's like Beanie it's Babies. It's just, I'm sorry, I don't mean to demean anything, but I feel like I want to. I want to think it's cool because I want to believe. I I honestly want to believe the Star Trek angle. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I want to believe the sci-fi angle. I really do. But the more I hear about it, the more I'm like, this is not what some people think it is. See, the thing is, there are cool aspects and a lot of cool potential that isn't properly being like paid attention to or celebrated. The the Beanie Baby thing is definitely what's happening. Everyone's trying to just sell all this stuff and say it's going to have 5x in value. And... um. And that's rubbing off. It's the same people buying these things over and over, either losing money or making money artificially or something. You know, it, it's ridiculous. But where yeah. I see this actually becoming useful, yeah, it, it, you think of a game like Grand Theft Auto Five, okay, okay, online, where it's been out for a very long time. There's people who've been playing GTA Five online for year since it came out on what is it ps3 and mm -hmm. there's people who accumulate so many properties so many cars they have like 10 of each car each customized differently mm -hmm. they have special guns that dropped for a holiday you know stuff like that if we were to replace all those custom cars and custom guns with nfts that those users could customly design when they're tired of driving this car and everyone seeing it and loving it, they could sell it. Like they only had, they're the only one with that custom car. So they could say, all right, I'm selling my car and all the people from the community could bid for this car. And then they'll be the only one with that car. Mm -hmm. And then the, the revolutionary part of NFTs and metaverse stuff is, is if after they sold that car, Rockstar would send that person money for the car that they sold. They could make a living off of GTA 5. They could just live in this virtual world, customize cars, and flip them. Well, I remember... I can think of a practical use for, for crypto. Like, right here, sitting here. Because somebody told me one. And this is kind of what... This is my yeah, but for all the for all the, hey, this is the scam of the century in the making talk, okay? I can give you a real live use case right now that'll change your mind, okay? 
if you are somebody in a foreign country that is a that is a literal authoritarian regime, okay, and you're on some naughty list and you can't use a bank, right? Because you're on the naughty list, okay. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to have crypto to buy things. Absolutely. To buy food. So there that's where I think this has a use case. Yeah. Honestly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I've talked to one of those people on on my show. Right? Mm-hmm. So but as far as like I mean I, I could see like buying and selling pieces of a game or, or for the game or whatever, you know, fine, sure. But to me, my only real concern is like this is gonna I can just I just know this is gonna go bad. <laughs> I it can. It it has the potential to simply because of how much people are already putting into this experimental thing. But mm. um but the more where they messed up, where the NFT industry messed up is currently they're losing the faith of the video game industry. They're losing the faith of a lot of artists in the online artist industry. And that's what this whole thing is built on as far as yeah. the latest hype. So you had yeah. all these video game companies and Discord and everything saying they were going to integrate NFTs into their platform. Then people mm-hmm. pushed back and then they got rid of their plans. They said, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. That's not good. You know, they should have, if they really believed in the technology, they would have just did it. And then people would have eventually realized, oh, okay, it works. But they were skeptical to begin with since they were so willing to bounce back out of that. So that doesn't read as bullish to me at all. But um, once you get the gamers against you, because gamers are already buying profile pictures. They're already buying these little artificial collectibles, these mm. digital collectibles from Steam and all these different platforms. If they're not into it, who's the market? Who are you going to yeah. sell it to? You know, Unless who's going to well, spend a hundred thousand on something you spent fifty thousand on? I can I can answer that question, but it's not the positive answer you want. I mean, <laughs> the people, the people looking to make a quick buck. Yeah. Right. And yeah, maybe. Yeah. See, what's happening is a lot of people who went broke for these pictures are being left holding them. Because no one, you think about it, all right? So somebody spends a million dollars on a crypto punk, and they may have an out because of Christie's auction house and Sotheby's and whatever liking crypto punks. But if for some reason no one cares about crypto punks tomorrow, they're stuck with something they spent millions for. And nobody, you know, that's a 1% purchase. So mm-hmm. you have a small pool of people you can dump that on. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything with money going on, they're already on top of that. So if it lost value, and you know what? knew about it. Yeah. And one of the strangest things about the housing crash that, just to go back to that for a second more, one of the strangest things about that that people don't say out loud because it doesn't make any sense is it was like a snowball. Mm. Right? Yeah. It was this perfect storm that could have happened on any day, but on a certain day it happened. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> on a certain day it happened. 
and I, you know, I just don't see. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, <laughs> no, I, I wanna, I want crypto to work. I honestly do. Right. It's going to, but it has to fall. But I, I want it to work because I think it's a cool idea. But I don't see how it's gonna how it'll it's gonna work. Uh, work. It'll work. It'll be a thing because there's a lot of folks. Like for example, me. My whole push has not been to hey come join NFTs and buy them. It's been to the NFT artists yeah. telling you telling them hey sell something tangible attached to your NFT. Sell a physical good that people who aren't into digital stuff can understand because once the people who are into digital content like gamers say they're not interested you just lost your large market so if you're an artist sell the painting too then people will be like oh i get it i want to buy it or if you're a grocery store sell bread for crypto and then you'll see the most people swam like swarm into it when they realize oh i can use this like cash now well, to me, yeah, to me, that's the application is can I take this down to the corner store and buy a gallon of milk or right. can I? OK, like I remember there was a you were talking earlier about like some website like Discord. Mm-hmm. I remember I don't even remember what the website was, but there was some like normie website. There was like a normie website like, I don't know, eBay, Amazon. I don't remember. But for a minute there, they were they were taking crypto as payment, mm-hmm. and that's when crypto could have gone mainstream. I think. Yep. When you're taking it as payment, that's 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 the way to go, and that's how you know that mm-hmm. we're still in the beta phases of it because you have all these companies who are able to bring it mainstream. Instead, they just drop some art as an NFT and then ran after it sold. Well, right. And there's another piece to the puzzle, right? There's another piece to the puzzle we haven't even talked about yet. Okay. There's a law in this country or there, it's in the Constitution 1 that the the Congress gets to set the legal tender. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you if enough people start taking Bitcoin down to the corner store or down to the bank to buy a house with or whatever, I guarantee you one of two things is going to happen. Either Congress is going to step in or something will have happened. Yeah. One of those two things. Absolutely. And you know, half of the crypto community wants that to happen. They want regulation. Another half doesn't. No, not. Not the community, like Cong. If you start taking the power of currency regulation away from the Fed and Congress, you're you're playing hardball at that right. point. Yeah, <laughs> right. You've graduated this from a bunch of gamers to, you know, I don't know, real money, <laughs> real you know billion. What's the saying? A billion here and a billion there, and. Before you know it, you're talking about real money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? What's the, there's a saying. <laughs> you know? But 
Um, so what kind of art do you do, Craig? Oh man, I do a lot. Um, 3d animation, uh, photography, uh, I draw a bit. Um, let's see music, audio production, video production. As I went to school for photography and video production. Where at? Uh, uh, Specs Howard, which is a small college in Michigan. Uh, they're all about broadcast and me- digital media arts. And then also went to College for Creative Studies, which is a larger art school in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of industrial arts. That's where I learned photography. Well, that's where I practiced photography. Cool. But um, yeah, pretty much any kind of digital art is what I do. Um, yeah. I used to do graphic design. I don't really care for graphic design too much anymore. But that used to be like my bread and butter was graphic design and, and photography. But is there any, not to get too personal, but is there anything going on in the graphic art space? Because I keep hearing that sentence. I used to do graphic art. Well, it's, it's boring. It's, it's, it's like if you take an artist and turn them into a machine real quick, like when you're an Uh artist, you, you have dreams of painting pictures or doing portraits that Mm -hmm. families hang on walls or doing things that are appreciated. And when you're a graphic designer, you're making stuff to post on Instagram once or making things that are so like a logo. Someone to say, I need a logo. You'll put your heart into a logo. And then they say, no, nah, I need something simple, just some text, you know? And it's cool. Cause that's easy, but you don't feel fulfilled doing that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Also the value of it's cheapening. Like uh, I used to work for not for live nation, but live nation was a client. I, I was contracted with them. Mm-hmm. And I made a lot of money. I, I met a lot of people. I, I've seen a lot of concerts. I did tons of band flyers and covered a bunch of concerts as a VIP and all that stuff. And I got paid very well. But the next year they ended the contract and hired an in-house person for $9 an hour. Mm-hmm. So they they saved a lot by cutting me. And then they gave the job to a, a kid who would be happy to work at a music venue for nine bucks an hour just for the exposure. So when I saw that happening, I knew that, okay, graphics, graphic design is turning into a secretary position. It's something that they want the front desk person to be able to do so they can say, Hey, I need a quick flyer for this. And the person who's sitting there all day anyway, can just whip it up. Bust out a flyer. That's uh, one reason I moved into other stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I talk on my podcast with people a lot about the changing economy and the changing, basically, our changing culture. I mean, you know. hmm. It's moving fast. It is, man. It is. Like, what direction do you think it's moving? Like, at least from where you can see it. Oh, man. Chaos. Lots and lots of chaos. It used to be like you had one market crash that you had to worry about and people were denying. Currently, you have about like a bunch of them. You just have a lot of things you got. While markets are hurting, you have people's mental health is hurting people's physical Mm -hmm. health, um, people's freedom. 
everything is being challenged right now. And it's really hard to create a five-year plan when you can't even do a five-week plan. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's why I'm like, I'll play with something as volatile as crypto, crypto, because yeah. it's more interesting than what's really going on. <laughs> well, I mean, also, like, you've also got, like, I was talking in this, you know, I'm, I'm, if you look at me, I'm all over Reddit looking for guests and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I'm literally all over Reddit. I'm all over Twitter, whatever, looking for guests. And, um, I'm, there's a guy I met through, through Reddit and we were talking like the pre podcast talk that we didn't have you and me, but the pre podcast talk. And he starts telling me about, yeah, my country could go to war at literally any day now. Oh, man. And so in the pre-podcast, he's all talking about that. And it was like, holy crap. I'm like, man. And then he comes on and hats off, man, because I'm asking him questions. And all he wants to do is, is be funny. And hats off, man, because it's not my, it's not your job to inform me. You know, it's it's your job to be a guest, but you don't have to inform me. Right. But I'm like, hats off, buddy. That's, I don't know that I could be sitting there joking if I legit believed I would have tanks rolling down the road tomorrow. Sometimes you got to joke to cope. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Jesus. And you know, the crazy thing about here is that even though I don't think we could break out into an all-out war tomorrow, you really don't know. You know, you really have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow here. And sometimes that's worse than knowing what's really coming. You mean like America here or where yeah, you yeah, are? Yeah, in the USA. I, you know, here's what I was telling a buddy of mine today. I think we've had so long of so much change culturally, technologically, whatever, right? At this point, you're pretty much up for, okay, sure. What? Okay, we're going to be green tomorrow? All right, awesome. Huh. Green people, fine. <laughs> you yeah. know? And see, I think that adds to the chaos. Because it's right, like, man. yeah, you got people who are like, okay, um, yeah, I'm an oil producer, but I'm green now. So you like me, <laughs> you know, or like, or like you see something like NFTs and you're like, on the one hand, that's Star Trek and that's cool. But on the other hand, talk to me like I'm five and tell me how that's not a scam. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then they proceed to say, dude, you buy this ape and (laughs) you can sell it for a million dollars tomorrow, dude. It's only 20 bucks. Right. I saw this TikTok with, uh, I think it was TikTok. It was either TikTok or YouTube. I don't remember. But it had, um, somebody was trying to explain crypto, or not crypto, NFTs. Somebody was trying to explain NFTs to quentin tarantino (laughs) and quentin tarantino was like okay so you took a picture of 
Samuel Jackson as the hitman in Pulp Fiction. You're telling me that picture, this little picture that was on every kid's dorm room for years is now worth millions. Okay. And you expect me to believe that. <laughs> and the, the guy was like, yes. I'll never forget what he, he goes. Do you know who I am? And the kid, this little kid was like, he just thought like he was, you know, Quentin from down the road. <laughs> he didn't know. This is Quentin Tarantino, son. If you can't sell him on that. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. You got somebody with a mind as open as his. If he can't figure this thing out, then <laughs> it's not good. Look, man, it's not good for the industry. What I always tell people is like with like when I talk about the housing thing that I accidentally covered, right? Mm -hmm. at, at a certain point doing that, I figured out that A, I was intelligent, and B, I was very well educated. And so therefore, if you could explain something to me, and at the end of that, if I thought I had it, like I had what you said, but I still thought this is a scam. <laughs> it it's probably a scam. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Just saying. Just saying. But I I want crypto and NFT to work because I really I'm an optimist and I believe in the future. I really believe in the future. And I'm an optimist and I could to I could totally see real world practical applications for that stuff like right now like today you know yeah like i like i'm saying you know you talk to political refugees about that like actual political refugees right about it and you see it and you people know? like that are where the good ideas are coming from in nfts a lot of times you know there's it's a worldwide community so you mm -hmm. have a lot of folks talking about conflicts going on in their country and how they can't earn any money so being able to sell their art as nfts for thousands of dollars is literally saving their families and then you'll hear people who are like yeah. just trying to make their next six figures on another get rich quick project you know yeah and like somebody told me like i i love crypto because crypto is how i eat i said yeah. what do you mean i said what do you mean no, it's literally what I take to the store and buy, like, food. Oh, wow. I'm like, that changed my mind. Like, that exchange. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, another good example. I have a friend in Jamaica, and yeah. um, I got hired onto a project. I got hired onto a crypto project by a team of guys in Europe, in, like, Eastern Europe. And I was able to refer my buddy in Jamaica and he got hired onto the project and none of us had to go through any banks or weird transfer times or weird mm -hmm. fees in order to be paid. It was just, we had an idea. We were seamlessly able to pay, get paid and that's it. You know, three different countries. And so, I love that. I same. love that about our, I love that about today. 
Same. Like, I love that. If we're going to be building on the internet, then we do need some type of internet money that's just as seamless as sending an IM or a DM. Exactly. And yeah, man, I love it. I want it to work. I really do. I want this to work. See, we need more pitches like that and less pitches like buy this monkey, you know. Or we need more pitches like, hey, you can get paid by a company in Germany. You can work for a company in Germany. Get paid in crypto. Take your crypto down to the store. Buy bread. Pay the power company. You know, pay the internet company and function. And you don't have to worry about exchange rates, banking rates, blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. No, I I want this to work. I honestly do. I, I might sound like a bitter Luddite, but I honestly want it to work. <laughs> yeah, I, I am in the same boat, but yeah, I've learned just being blindly optimistic about something I'm involved with is not how you fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always flash back to that one conference where the guy explained this and I was like, literally looking around and I'm the only cat in the room that was like, okay, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, no. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. But, um, hmm. so what part of Michigan are you in? Uh, Detroit. Oh, oh, goody. <laughs> yeah. Talk. Tell me about Detroit. You know, Detroit is really interesting. I've, I've, I'm born and raised in Detroit. I've lived other places. I've lived in like Arizona. I've lived in Virginia in Arlington, okay. Virginia. And, um, and I liked Detroit, especially over this pandemic, I've noticed a lot of pros about this area. Like I go to other states and you have some states who are requiring you to show certain papers in order to do anything. And there's some states who are in perpetual fear. So they're just not doing anything. And, um, and there's some places who are kind of just, they're, they're allowing the leadership they have to literally make quick decisions on everyone's lives and um you know sometimes it's necessary but here it's been kind of a do what makes sense thing and um what do you mean do what makes sense like what do you mean exactly like when they did the initial shutdown the initial shutdown was pretty wild like a lot of protests started there was a whole plot to kidnap the governor i remember that yeah and That's that's some Michigan stuff. You know, that's just the mood of Michigan. You ruin the peace for too long and they're going to go crazy. Okay. And um, and after that was done, then the Michigan, the representatives here, they removed the power. A petition actually went through to remove the emergency powers from the governor. And I think that was a good move because now everyone has to kind of assess the situation before the department of health can make a decision to shut things down and whatnot. So they have to look at things like, okay, are you sick? Are you dead? Did you get someone else sick? Are they dead? If not, then you can stay open. Just take days off work. And, um, and that's kind of just been the energy here. So you'll go places and you'll see people 
some with masks, some without masks, but they're not fighting each other. Or some with the staying six feet apart stickers and some without it, but they're not giving you crap if you're not standing six feet. It's kind of just like everyone's minding their own business, but you can do what you want to do or what you think is necessary for your health and safety. Like uh, even the Detroit mayor, the news was trying to get him to at least imply that he was going to push vaccinations like uh, they, they're trying to do. They're trying to imply a lot of things. And a lot of Michigan's leadership aren't really playing that game with them. They're just saying, like, we have it available. It's there. It's free. And we encourage you to get it. But they're not saying the whole like we're going to, you know, come into your house and give you these things or knock door to door and do this and that although they do have those programs it's just in a non-invasive way it's different when you have a a governor or a mayor telling you like this is what's going to happen versus this is what we suggest and uh michigan has been Mm. it it has felt like you know if you want to be in a pandemic today you can if you don't you can also not be in a pandemic well yeah i mean what I see is like, so I have my podcast is highly respected with the COVID episodes. And like, I'm not a medical person at all, but I am somebody who knows how to read a study, mm-hmm. like knows how to read a study and knows what to take from it. Mm-hmm. And the thing I see just because I've talked to folks all over the world, right? Like if I hadn't been talking to folks all over the world, if I hadn't talked to folks in Asia, I wouldn't think what I think right now, Mm -hmm. which is, okay. I could totally see, and I'm sure we're going to disagree here, but I could completely see, like, I want you to make sure that kids going to school are wearing a mask okay and i want you to make sure that that mask is a is a medical grade mask and and Mm -hmm. good at protecting the person wearing the mask Mm -hmm. that's my personal take on it um in my fantasy of how this was how this would go in my absolute fantasy of how covid would go the covid mitigation would go I really wish they would have done a deal with restaurants and hotels and stuff and just put everything like that to bed for a while Mm -hmm. because I've talked to so many people who've talked about how they went to this bar or they went to this restaurant back before anybody knew anything and they got COVID and blah, blah, and it's terrible and rehab bills and this and that. Okay. But then you talk to people in Asia and then you hear like the other side of the story where it's like, Oh God, the government is telling you when to go to the store, like when to leave your house and go to the store. Wow. I mean, okay. Right. (laughs) Or like you hear, um, you know, just all kinds of just really, like, okay, that's not cool. <laughs> like, what China is doing to its people with co- for COVID, it's just not cool. Mm-hmm. It's not good. It's not whatever. 
but I, I really wish we could have some happy medium, but we can't. <laughs> I think we could, but I feel yeah. like that's not the intention here. It just seems like, you know, when you start banning actual doctors from being able to have actual debate on something that studies support, or when you're making people afraid to talk about subjects. What's crazy? Um, like, like what's... For, I, I agree with you about the school thing. Like what's but crazy? A lot of people. Go ahead. Go for it. I'll tell you something. I'll give you an example. Okay. Um. So yeah, like, uh, just we can't reach. It's, it's almost like that medium is off limits. It's either do this or be villainized. You know, do this or we don't want to hear you. We don't want to do anything. Just yeah. go and have a Christmas full of death and sickness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see where, okay, because I, I studied for my podcast. My podcast started out life as a deep dive into the Spanish flu, mm. right? Um, I can see where the government, where any government at all, does not want this to become like the Spanish flu, okay? Mm-hmm. I can literally get that, and I can literally get how the Spanish flu was knocking around Kansas in the Midwest for I think 15 years or what nearly 20 years before it was discovered by a doctor wow okay like it was knocking around for quite a while before it was actually discovered by a doctor um I could literally see where if COVID is if this is the beginning of that we're you know you might want to do something. But then I also get the other side of it of if it's not, okay, you're causing a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if it's not, you're causing a lot of damage and harm. Right? And then, like, I studied, there was a new study that came out of Malaysia for Omicron. And it's fascinating how three people can read this study and come up with three widely, wildly different conclusions yeah. from the same study. Like I'm talking about like three educated people, three very educated people can read the same study and come up with wildly different conclusions. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and when I see things like that, because I've learned to, um, you know, I, I like writing. I write a lot of articles and I would like to get more into journalism. So I've always learned to look at things from all perspectives and kind of accept all of them as answers. But that's when, you know, that further analysis, that's when the professional mediator needs to come in and that happy medium needs to be met. And the fact that they let these things that have all these answers, plausible answers, just float in open debate with no actual mediation, it adds to the chaos of it. You know, if you want to stop the spread of something, everyone needs to be on the same page. And if half of the population has questions, you got to answer them. 
in order to get that them to cooperate. You, yeah. you, you got to answer those questions. And there's a lot of questions. And when someone says something that's plausible and then they get their mic cut off or they get kicked off Twitter, then all that's going to do is fuel that wild, like far-fetched misinformation filled fantasy in their head. People that's just going to give them more of a reason to get crazier and to get, yeah. you know, even harder to deal with. I think, I think one of the problems, I think one of the big problems with all this is like, okay, and this sounds simple, but here you go. I'm old enough to remember when COVID was thought, not thought of as a a disease that could get your heart or get your brain. Or whatever. And so medical people are learning about this in real time. Number one, that's one problem. Number two, if you go back to 1918, um, we don't live on farms anymore, so we can't check out. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we can't retreat back to our farm and just hole up. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're seeing that with like New York City, you know, mm-hmm. see, that's what one reason, too, is, yeah, I don't like the extremities of forcing vax passes or whatnot. But when you have a city full of people living literally on top of each other, sharing ventilation, then that mm-hmm. extreme of a thought is plausible. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to bring that into consideration. But when you live somewhere like Michigan, where you have yards in between every house and people, you know, like I said, I caught it months before the outbreak was even discovered. So there's been assumptions that we've already had a decent amount of herd immunity here or any, you know, in a lot of states. It's just you handle it a little different. And I like how they're handling it here. Because it just it doesn't seem as bad. Like the articles, the news headlines, of course, seem horrible. Seems like things are burning. But um, like I said, everybody I know is still all right for the most part, and um, life has not changed. I the the place I caught COVID though was in a setting that has always been frowned upon during the pandemic an enclosed room with no windows no ventilation and uh it was full of people it was like a mixer it was a marketplace mixer and i had a table set up and i was in this room for multiple hours and there was a lot of people in there and um and i noticed Mm -hmm. somebody had a little cough so in my mind i'm like if if i catch it this is the spot and sure enough, about three or four days after that is when I started to experience the first little bit of symptoms. But, um, but you know, that's something that during this whole pandemic, I would pay attention to. Am I going to be enclosed in a room? Am I going to be this or that? But uh, I let it slip and it's all right. You know, it didn't, it didn't hurt me that bad. Well, I mean, I think, um, so Georgia, I mean, I live in Georgia, so you know, like, one of the things we have is we have people who just don't think COVID is real. Like, they just honestly Ooh. don't think it's real. Yeah. Um, And, like, you'll hear stories about people attacking medical personnel and people 
In fact, I know a guy um, through podcasting. I know a man who has told me some pretty crazy stories. You know, mm. that he deals with every day. Um, that's just nuts. But our governor also, like, he, um, he called up the National Guard to, to help hospitals secure themselves and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. See, those, the extreme views, a lot of time they just need questions answered, you know? Well, and that's, that's it, isn't it? Like. We never had to deal with this before, like, right? Like, my grandparents, my grandparents weren't alive for the the Spanish flu, right? Now my grand, my one grandmother had. I mean, they all had siblings that were, right? Older siblings that were, mm-hmm. but they weren't alive for it. So, yeah, this you know, is all brand new, brand new to us. <laughs> Right. And then all the stuff that's been happening during the pandemic that's not even pandemic related, you know, like the protests and riots and, yeah, you know, economic fallout. Or is... the, we had like 25% labor employer. Oh, yeah. 25% labor or workplace employee, uh, whatever you call it. Like 25% of the people were working at some point in 2020. Yeah. The, the great pretty- resignation. You got that. You got. You just got a lot. You got a lot, and you you got like. I'm on academic Twitter. Like I'm on with Twitter with a bunch of college professors, and you see it from their eyes in the classroom. Like you see a lot of kids that are freaked out. Mm. You know, a lot of people freaked out. Yeah. And oh, a lot of kids missing out on a lot of education time. That's that's a fallout that happens later. Is right when, when these kids who went to school, you know, three years of school now like this. That's someone, some kids' entire high school time. You know, we'll see what happens with that in a few years. Well, and I'm sure this guy was a, you know, a uh, what do you call it? I'm sure he was an outlier, but I interviewed a guy who uh, spent World War II in a cave. Wow. And he ended up becoming a doctor. So, you know, some people I'm sure will be fine, you know, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. Also, it seems like um, there's a new internet now. You know, like the internet, it's the same internet, yes. but it's not the same as it was pre-pandemic. It's no, a totally it's different internet. And a lot of people don't know that. You know, it was like a hat trick. I'll, I'll tell you one. I got one for you. And I'm not even talking about the big tech stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. I was on Twitter before the COVID, just on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I had a Twitter. I was on, you know, whatever. The pandemic starts, people started getting friendly. You know? Mm-hmm. People started getting friendly. Um, during 2020, I talked to people, I talked to individuals during 2020 
I would not I would not have talked to had 2020 not happened. Mm-hmm. Just because they thought, oh yeah, we're all people. <laughs> yeah. You know? you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's like I don't know about Reddit. I've been on Reddit for a long time, but I uh just started like taking it seriously like i'm one of the moderators of the nft subreddit which is the largest nft subreddit on reddit right now and i need to join that reddit (laughs) it's it's okay you know it's not a lot of discussion mostly people promoting their stuff but um yeah the amount of bots that we have to get rid rid of on a weekly basis is insane like so much of reddit is bots and um and I'm getting better at identifying bots in other subreddits. And a lot of the bots I've noticed are all political. There's a lot of political bots on Reddit. And they use this pandemic to not mm-hmm. only farm karma, but to really create a hostility in a lot of groups. And then the fact that Reddit deletes any any skeptic groups or anything like that about the pandemic it created this one-sided, like almost a group think on Reddit. Like I've just noticed a lot of politics entering places that it wasn't so prominent before on social media. Yeah. Like fact checks, you know, like I'll say something on Facebook that's not even about anything, but because I use a certain word, I have a fact check underneath it. And I'm like, I ain't even say anything. I just use the word. Like, one word, I remember when I said something about lying, like not even government related or anything, just like someone's lying to someone or whatever. Mm. And they gave me a COVID fact check on that post. Yeah, but I mean, I get that. I mean, I'm with all my COVID episodes. Right. But I, I mean, that. that's just, that's with a every, new feature. That's a post-pandemic like if, feature. If I titled this episode, like Ben and Craig talk about COVID. Yeah. Okay. That'll I guarantee you. Maybe not on Facebook, but somewhere there'll be a, f- a fact check to it. Yeah. Do absolutely. I care? No, I I don't care. Yeah, but it, it doesn't bother me that much either. But but for a post, I do related. have. Now here's where we can agree because I do have a YouTube channel that I don't deal with anymore because YouTube has opinions about like what you can and cannot talk about. Yeah. And I just don't, I'm not into that. Mm-hmm. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. no. <laughs> and Twitter too is getting nuts. Like, um, you never know what you're going to get hit for on Twitter. Oh, I got a Twitter story, which isn't where you want to take this. I can tell you, but so I'm a big Braves fan. And the Braves won the World Series. I don't know if you're aware, but the Braves won the World Series. Cool. This past one. So I tweeted about that. Holy cow. I had all these Twitter bots. Ah, uh, yeah. I had a bunch of three follower Twitter bots that were, you know. <laughs> Jesus. The bots are in, in NFTs. That's all I, a lot of my activity, uh, not on my posts or whatever, but every day I'm getting followed by like five or six bots and the requests in my uh, inbox are a lot of bots either promoting something or trying to scam me. And yeah, robots, man, they unleash the robots. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're, we're entering even more of a simulation phase of social media to where thoughts are being, even if they're not about one thing, they're going to be made about that thing. I tell you that, I tell you the thing, like I was thinking about is like, I don't like Reddit. Like I, I have a Twitter, I have a Reddit, I have a Facebook, I have a TikTok, I have an Instagram. I have a WhatsApp. I don't like Reddit. I dislike Reddit. Yeah. I, it's so funny. It's like the... First of all, all the Reddit threads, you have to agree or you're going to get downvoted. Right, um, right. <laughs> which, okay, is okay. Except for some... Like some of the... Some of the COVID Reddits I'm on, you have to have... Um, to even be on that Reddit... You have to have a certain karma. Yeah. Okay, to even be on it. You have to have a certain karma. Okay. But that's not the thing I hate the most. <laughs> the thing that I really hate is the DMs in Reddit. Mm. Oh, my God. Like, they'll be like, somebody will be trying to get at me. Like a podcast guest, they'll be trying to get at me. Reddit, I won't see it for days. Days. Yeah. Mm. Won't be notified on my phone. I won't even go. I'll go into Reddit. It won't show up. <laughs> won't show up. I'll be in Reddit. It won't show up. But oh my God, the spammy little, hey, here's a picture of a sexually you know, promiscuous unicorn that you didn't ask for. What? It's the first thing you get. <laughs> exactly. I hate that. Yeah. Do better. That. Like Reddit, do better. I'm not even kidding. Do better. Yeah, I hate <laughs> it. And I hate that. Like, so on my main account, like, I have another Reddit. I had to make another Reddit post pandemic to, uh, to get to tap in on the pandemic because i noticed like you said if you say anything that's against the idea or even challenge it a little bit depending on what the idea is then you get downvote city and before you know it you're like banned. oh and and like for example up go ahead and then i've got another funny story about reddit okay so i had to create a whole different reddit to allow myself to go into groups and see what the other side is saying like uh people who were vaccine skeptic or covid skeptic or anything in order to see the other argument you have to create another identity because if you join those groups or follow those subreddits you will be banned from the rest of reddit you won't be able to post in the cat group. You won't be able to look in simp like uh, today I learned. You won't be able to look in shower thoughts or any of that. You get banned from the rest of Reddit if oh. you just join those groups. And then those groups, what happens to them is they don't get eliminated. They get something called quarantine. Oh, like yeah. And that makes it where they can't be searched. They're hard to find. Oh, and they don't oh. positively affect your karma. I've got another one just like that. You made me remember something. I had totally forgot. Reddit has decided that there are certain words that QAnon believers like to use. Okay. Mm. 
if you put one of those words in a sentence, you know, and it's just a word, I don't know, it's just a a word, right? Mm-hmm. If you put one of those words in a sentence, right, it's all like, oh, you're on probation because this might oh. be QAnon. <laughs> it's just a word. Honest to God, it's just a word. Like, it's just a normal word. And it's wild because the thing is, QAnon and all this stuff is the same thing with the, the you know, Vax extremists. Is they just have questions that people, instead of addressing them, they give them a name and throw them in his corner and then they get crazier. They go deeper into these rabbit holes and turn into whatever they want them to become. But here's something that I really deeply dislike. Like, it's not the dislike. It's a... So I'm a member of like two consumer electronics reddits, two different consumer electronics reddits, mm-hmm. mainly because that just interests me. I'm also the guy, it's kind of like, I'm interested in the future. And this to me is something I like. I love technology, just any kind of technology, but God help you. If you go on this Reddit and you start like, I don't think this is a problem or I don't think here is an opinion I have about this consumer electronics thing. that's different from the, the, the group think, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I lost 200 karma doing that. Uh, it's just like, and there's bots, there's bots that they will use against you to downvote you into oblivion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you see it a lot if you say anything about COVID that isn't about the whatever the group's thing is about. Right. You, you, you will get slapped. And see, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. So if you're like me and you have to and you go on the COVID reddits, you have to have a certain amount of karma just to be there. So if you also go to the consumer electronics reddit and you say, like, actually... This is not terrible. Oh, God. What do you mean it's not terrible? You're evil. (laughs) (laughs) And you lose all your karma. Well, not all of it, but I had to delete the post. Jesus. Oh, man. See, that's that's why I don't like Reddit. And then just the bots, man. Are are you familiar with the AITPT or uh, TP3 or TP2? I think I am, but why don't you tell everybody what that is? It's a very advanced uh, open AI project, and TP3 is is the newest version of it. It's so advanced that, um, sure, it could pass the Turing test, but you can have a conversation with this or tell it, like, for example, tell TP3 that you want to create a web page. So create a code for a web page that has three links evenly spaced apart, Da 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 with two text box and boom boom, it will program it right there seconds. Just program it for you, and you have this web page that you could then tweak it by talking to this AI. And then this AI is also capable of talking conversationally to you. It has humor. It gets jokes. It gets references. Um, and it's learning as it's speaking. It's a neural network, so it's pulling all the information you're giving it and using it to be able to better respond to you or anybody else in the future. It's very advanced stuff. 
Well, Reddit actually has TP2, and I'm not sure if they have a TP3 one, but they have a TP2 subreddit that's only bots talking to each other. Only TP2 bots having conversations to train its neural network and to, you know, understanding conversations. But something I've noticed about the TP2 uh, subreddit the last time I checked was these bots love to talk about racial issues. These bots love <laughs> to become uh. virtuous and have virtue signaling statements. And these bots love to talk about a lot of the things that end up on your feed when you sort by best. <laughs> want, okay. And they're, they're trained what? to argue. They're also trained to be racist like horribly racist. Oh Some of God. these bots, like one I screenshot and shared it on Facebook was talking yeah. about, I don't like black people. I don't think they're this, this and that. And I, I don't blah, blah, blah. It's a bot, but it it's training to be that. And knowing how many bots are plaguing Reddit, I can only wonder how many of these bots are partaking in conversations or creating conflict where there isn't any yeah and um right let's see i'm gonna find it real quick and send you a link where is it at But um, it's pretty wild. Let's see, TP2. It's so hard to find. But I will find it. I'm going to go ahead and look at that screenshot I took and get the name. But yeah, it's so wild. Crazy. So many bots. And Reddit is is a hive mind. They're creating a hive mind. <laughs> oh my god! And you know, you mix it's that like, with TikTok. How can we sit here? How can we sit here and realize that's not a good idea? And they can't. Oh, we're going to do that. They know it's not a good idea unless it's for something that they want to happen. That's that's where the, the conspiracy theory comes from at all. Is It's just like, how are all these social media websites at the snap of a finger turning into propaganda machines? See, here's the thing, like, I tell people, you know? So... I'm not a Q believer. I don't I don't believe in Q. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm also not one of these people that says like Q people are automatically whatever people think they are. Like whatever most people who because think about it. There's things that happen in this world that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. In a in a like a a world. <laughs> right? Like Right when the pan, I'll give you an example, a stupid example that I think about a lot. I have a rectangle sitting on my desk that I get way more scam calls to than I get actual calls. Mm. Way more. Right? And if they wanted, if the world wanted to make this go away, they could just make that illegal. 
Right. Right. Or not even illegal. You could just say like you could just be T-Mobile or whoever and you could just be like, hey, you can't do this on our network. Right. But why don't they do that? I don't know. I have no idea. And that's a stupid example. That's a really stupid example. Or like, okay, I have a podcast. Because I have a podcast and because my name is out there. And because my web, my email address for my podcast is out there, you would not believe the scam emails I get. I yeah. mean, like I, I have to be present, intellectually present, when I check my podcast email. Like you know what I'm saying? Oh man, have you heard of a swim, a sim swap attack? What's that? Oh man! All right, first let me correct myself. It's not. TP2 and TP3, it's GPT2, GPT3. And I, I shared okay. you a link to the simulator of uh, the subreddit where they're talking with each other. But um, right. but a SIM swap attack is something that I never even thought to fear until it happened to me, or until I learned about it and then it happened to me. But um, what it is is that hackers or scammers take control of your SIM card and use your SMS to two-factor authenticate themselves into your private emails and bank accounts. And uh-huh. the way they do this is by taking your phone number. You know, you get your phone number and you get your email. You can look, you, you see what app to get for the email. And then you look up the phone number and you find out what service provider it is. And the way that it was stated that they put these hacks off was they would call the phone company and um, just pretend to be you. They'll hack your, your pin number because it's only four digits. And that takes like seconds, like less than seconds to hack when you're using brute force. And um, they call your phone company and they pretend to be you. And they say, I want to, I want to switch my phone. I got a new phone. And they just enter the new SIM card and boom, they now have your service. And they can just pretend to be you. But news recently came out that T-Mobile, who is, you know, when my phone got hacked, they placed my number on a Metro by T-Mobile SIM card, access my email, my Coinbase, empty my Coinbase, and then um, saw their way out because I made it to my email in time to kick them out and contact the Coinbase. But um, news recently came out that there has been T-Mobile employees that were complicit in these sim swap attacks so yeah your phone number is a vulnerability and your email obviously is a vulnerability so now i use voip or um google voice as a phone number for public stuff anything public that's the number they get because if anyone gets my number if home depot gets hacked again and everyone gets my phone number then i now have a vulnerability out there hmm and it's a scary attack, man. But, but yeah, that subreddit, I don't know if you're looking at it, but you can see right on the top, socialist, can you provide a justification for the existence of the state? Capitalism versus socialism. Okay, this is all you... in... Uh... What, what I see is like my American father-in-law visiting me for Thanksgiving. Let's see, that's probably on the the hot ones. Oh, I see that. My American father-in-law visiting me for Thanksgiving. And 
AutoCAD, <laughs> AutoCAD, AutoDesk. I don't get that. NASCAR, NASCAR or something. No, it's a running track. Yeah, I don't get that one. That's a bad one. But if you go to new, you'll see the one I was talking about that says uh, socialists. Can you provide justification okay. for the existence of the state? I'm just oh God, there's like a thousand something members too. Yeah. The Witcher. Yeah. Oh, look at this one. This doctor told me the dangers of the vaccines. And then it's a link to an article. It's a link to a, a, what? It's a link to, that's interesting. So it's saying this doctor told me the dangers of vaccines. And then it links to nymag.com. You go to nymag and it's a, a 404 page. But I'm like, huh? That's just interesting. How many, that he chose New yeah, York how many York. people would would take it that far? Right. Probably not too many. But does saying something anti-vax and then using the New York Mag domain on Reddit pre-program Reddit to pair two things together. That's that's where I get to thinking because it's all algorithms. And like oh, you right. were saying, if you say anything Q related, then boom, it comes for you. So is this oh, training you can't Reddit? Even, yeah, you can't even accidentally type the word Q and then space. Like you can't like, <laughs> I'm not Q, playing. Q you is no longer a standalone letter, guys. <laughs> you can't even like I have like a mechanical keyboard. And you know I won't hit it right or something. And like the the letter won't come up, so it'll be like instead of typing quick, it'll be Q nothing. Like mm-hmm. I, it'll be like that was a Q. That's Q and on. Wow. So, yeah. That's hilarious. Now I don't know. They might have changed it, but I'm just saying. Hmm. Yes, these bots love talking about politics, man. That's because people online like to talk about it. Wow, this one is a program, uh, a conversation one based off of um, the relationship advice group subreddit. Talking about my boyfriend, 21, is making me, 20F, feel guilty. And it's formatted just like the post on that subreddit are. And see, this is wild. Being able to see robots literally mimic humans and not be able to differentiate the difference. If you read it, it sounds just like anybody could have written it. And this is right here next to people having conversations. And the fact that I can't really talk about this too much um, in a way or in certain places without being docked by algorithms or considered a conspiracy theories is wild because these are all plausible thoughts we know how our social media platforms learn from us and mimic our behaviors and Mm. tell us what they think we like and all this stuff that this is writing about is literally what everyone's talking about right now Mm -hmm. one is talking about wall street bets talking about stocks how is that legal we got bots over here saying i want to buy a certain stock tomorrow, mu mu. Hmm, it's just crazy. It is crazy, man. Well, this has been a great episode. 
<laughs> I did not intend to have this conversation with you, but it's been a great episode. Awesome. Um, yeah, it has been. So, do you, like, do you have a podcast or something? Or not yet? I have a show on yeah. YouTube that I'm failing at called uh, "Explore the Metaverse." But um, mm. I do plan on moving more into having a podcast and more conversational things and doing more writing pieces. Cool. So uh, tell me, um, Craig, where where can um, if people want to find you in cyberspace? My website is the hub cblackmore.com. It's letter C and then Blackmore with two O's dot com is my website. I got links to all my social media on there. Twitter is where I'm at most these days. Uh at Sir Blackmore. Sir as an S I R, like a knight. Um but cblackmore.com is how you can find a link to my YouTube, Instagram, everything. And uh and yeah. I'm around. I answer messages in pretty much every inbox at some point. Yeah. What I'm doing now is I'm trying to find you. Okay. Yep. Letter C. Or I can I could type the link actually. I got you. Awesome. I got you. Let's see. Yo, you're not followed by anybody I'm following. Oh, we gotta fix it. Follow. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. Um, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having um, me. Oh no, nothing. It's nothing at all. I'm gonna throw this up, actually. Awesome, awesome. I'm gonna throw this up like right now. But uh, email me your links or whatever, and I'll uh, throw it up. All right, hang on. The uh, the new UI is a little faster than before, but I think you still have to hang out. Hold on okay. a second. All right, everybody. This has been Ben Kitchings. And like always, I'm having a great day and hope you are too. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>